Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa idea in the 21st century. The Value of Owning One's Voice In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Kate Moreland. Kate is the president of ICAD, Iowa City Area Development Group. She is also the co-founder of Her Experience and a certified strategic doing practitioner. ICAD's mission is to create, collaborate, and lead regional economic development initiatives that contribute to the creation and growth of companies, wealth, and quality jobs through a spirit of innovation and a culture of sharing that transforms knowledge into economic opportunity. Her experience is a gathering of strong women from diverse backgrounds who come together to replenish mind, body, and spirit in a day of reflection, procurement of joy, and outstanding personal and professional opportunities. We talked about Kate's journey and experience and how she's embraced empathy, creativity, and collaboration to help make her community more resilient, as well as the importance of gratitude. Kate is involved in important, transformative work, and I'm honored she took the time to join me for this discussion. I'd like to thank Kate for joining me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Kate Moreland, thanks so much for joining us on the Iowa Idea podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. As we get started, if you don't mind, could you just uh, tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, Well, I grew up in a small town in Iowa, uh, near Iowa City. Um, Had 35 people in my graduating class, which is uh, very small. Um, And then went on to study at Creighton University and got a degree in psychology and a minor in business, and then went straight from college on to law school um, and prosecuted for several years after law school. So I did a lot of trial work and then moved into private practice where I did a lot of work in the family law arena and ultimately took some time off after a law career of about 10 years to kind of reevaluate things for myself and my family and then really had a kind of a fork in the road and went a different direction. Uh, And I've been working in community and public relations and then now economic development for the last six years. So yeah, so that's kind of my, my story. Um, We have three kids. Um, I have two in college and one that will be starting high school. So Uh, busy with family. Um, And then I also have kind of a side business that I do for women uh, on leadership and um, really uh, kind of a women's retreat that I collaborate on with some other partners. So called Her Experience. That's, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, And and again, thanks for joining us. Want to talk uh, first a little bit. So uh, your, your role in Iowa City area development, uh, what what brought you into the economic development space? Well, I was kind of recruited there. Um, I would say that you know economic development is kind of a term that no one really knows what that means. Uh, I've learned, and I didn't either when I was approached about it. Um, I knew they did cool stuff though, and I knew that they this organization was working to make the community better. 
And so for me, that mission was enough for me to explore the opportunity. And, um, and I've just had a, so many great uh, opportunities during my position with Iowa City Area Development to work with amazing partners, to look at some of the problems in our community, to help uh, work on creative solutions, to support businesses and education in general uh, around workforce initiatives that I've find a lot of diversity in the work and creativity in a way that I didn't really find in some of my earlier roles. So it's, for me, it's been a really good fit. That That's great. And one of the things just for context, you had, you had accepted a new role <laughs> right before the pandemic struck. Uh, so I'm just curious right now is the, the uh, how different things are looking or maybe how quickly and creatively ICAD has had to, to uh, shift in the time of pandemic. Yeah, you know, I think for us, um, we really kind of kicked into high gear around one-on-one meetings with companies to really learn what their pain points were. The challenge right now is really the uncertainty of all of this. And we've, we're trying to get comfortable with that uncertainty uh, as everyone is, but that's, that's the biggest challenge. It's hard to create planning around an uncertain uh, landscape. And so we are going to use our skills, which I think our team has of being flexible and nimble and willing to listen and pivot uh, like we have never used before. Because what seemed important last week, uh, we all know suddenly isn't as important. And so um, that's been a challenge, but I think something that because our team is used to being uh, innovative and um, somewhat entrepreneurial in our work, I think we're well poised to, to help meet those needs. Great, thank you. Want to talk a little bit too about how you got interested in initially down your path. So you said you, uh, you went to undergrad and uh, then also into law school, but were you planning on going to law school uh, before you started college? Well, I was not necessarily. Now, I would tell you that um, my mother probably was planning on that for me. Um, <laughs> my dad was a lawyer, and I was always told growing up that I talked like a lawyer. And I think that, you know, that had a lot of influence on me. Um, and, and that's something that I've kind of reflected back on in my current career, that a lot of times I think we listen to those outside voices and and um, and so I think my decision in large part was, well, I'm not sure what I want to do with a psychology degree, so I should probably just head to law school because I've been told throughout my life by different people that I might be good at that. Um, I did not like law school. I, did, I had this pit in my stomach the first week. And frankly, had I been listening to my intuition, I probably would have walked out the door. Um, but I stuck it out and persevered through three right. painful years. And um, I still found a niche that I enjoyed. I liked the trial work and the oral advocacy, and that led me to prosecuting. Um, but I think, you know, as all of us do, we have different reasons for pursuing different careers. And, and for me, um, they weren't necessarily all about what I was really interested in, more about what I thought I should do. Thanks. So uh, when you 
when you kind of you took a break from law and then coming back in to we we talked a little bit about economic development, but I know you're very passionate about education and helping educational outcomes and your your work with her experience. We could go down it's almost like pick a path. Which one might you want to talk about? I'd like to talk about all three of those today. Okay. But but kind of your your interest and your passion around education and also about her experience. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've worked in education uh, as an administrator supporting public education. So part of my training as a lawyer is really about being an advocate. And I was able to do that for many years working at the school district, just really trying to be an advocate for public education, for teachers, for students. And so that, you know, set me up well to also do some workforce development work when we look at how we're training up our work, future workforce, how are we preparing kids for jobs that don't exist? How are we helping them think through what they're, I always, I never ask kids anymore what they wanna be when they grow up. I actually ask them what problems do they wanna help solve? And I find I get a much different, more excited response from kids when you ask them that question because they ultimately know what issues strike a chord with them. They don't always know what jobs go along with that. And so those are more interesting conversations, I think, to have with people. Um, and so, you know, that work has been, you know, one bucket of, of work that I've undergone and, and worked in a variety of settings around. Um, and yeah, I remain passionate about kind of connecting people to what lights them up. Um, I'm a certified coach as well. And so just holding space for people, I think in a variety of settings for me is very fulfilling. And, and then ultimately led this last year for me partnering with some colleagues around this her experience idea. And that really is holding space for women in particular that are maybe have been facing some difficult uh, experiences. They're, they're at a transition point or a pivotal point, or they just don't take a day for themselves to <clears throat> go inward and think about what it is they want and, and consider the journey that they've been on and what's, you know, what's the future hold. And so I found that incredibly rewarding, but the common thread is really um, helping people know themselves better. And we don't always give ourselves that quiet stillness and time to do that um, in a supportive environment. And so um, for me, I've found a lot of satisfaction in, in being a witness to that for people. I know for myself, I've had some pivotal transformational times in my life. And especially as women, we often go through those alone um, because we don't either choose to share our struggles or we're too busy taking care of those around us to really um, let ourselves um, absorb and feel what we need to feel. So, um, so yeah, I've, I found both of those lines of work rewarding and, and there is definitely a thread there. I think helping people know themselves at young ages can honestly help kids be, make better informed decisions. And um, especially young girls maybe who are looking to please or, um, do what they think they should do versus what their intuition is is guiding them towards. So anything I can do to help support that for people, um, again, I find incredibly rewarding. 
Thank you. And I really, I re- really appreciate you connecting the dots elegantly there because my, my question or setup was so ham-fisted, but I'm just, I'm, I'm so curious about talking about all these. I, I think they were, all those ideas were rushing out, out the door. Uh, so thank you. Want to, want to dig in uh, first on the education side, as you said, one of the things that really struck me uh, that I find incredibly powerful is that notion of reframing uh, for kids, the way you talked about like what problems do they want to solve or what's interesting because in the design world, you know, that's one of the things I try to coach for better design is falling in love with the problem rather than the solution. I feel like that's a flavor is for kids, what, what are they interested in? And to your point, so few kids know like the labels of jobs, right? That like the Bureau of Labor Statistics has a, a very difficult taxonomy and it's usually well behind what the economy is really doing. Right, like when I went to school, uh, there was no idea that you might be a web strategist. <laughs> so, but what are the skills that are needed? So I'm um, really curious on uh, how you kind of came upon that insight yourself to talk to kids about kind of more of a, a problem they're interested in rather than almost a solution or destination based on a job title. Well, during my role with um, ICR Future, where I'd go out and have uh, do sessions with with kids and talk with them about jobs that were open in the area. Just in a lot of my research, I was kind of finding that narrative around changing the conversation. And so I pivoted to that and immediately realized that their eyes lit up. A lot of times I couldn't get kids to raise their hands when I said, what are you interested in being or doing? But when you ask them what problems they want to solve, I, I remember one young girl saying, I want to solve the problem of foster care. The system is broken. And I know that because I've been in it for 10 years. And the rest of her classmates looked at her like they had no idea. And when she, then she said to me, what job would I need to do t- to help with that? Mm-hmm. Um, you could see that she was passionate about it and she had the experience to want to make it better. Um, and it was the rest of her classmates were kind of nodding their heads like, wow, that's really cool. Um, And we talked about, well, you could be a lawyer, you could be a judge, you could be a caseworker. And then she started to say, yeah, I know who those people are. Those, I've noticed (laughs) that. And and all the dots kind of connected. And so for me, it's just kind of throwing that out there. I have my own kids that I do that with too. Um, And we're in a world right now, I think this generation, um, we, we need to raise a generation of problem solvers because we have big, hairy problems uh, to tackle and they need to see where their place is in that world because the jobs will change, the titles will change, but the problem they're working on and their passion around whatever that is, um, <clears throat> if they choose to follow that, I think they'll find fulfillment because they will, they will have a sense of purpose. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And I think sometimes, you know, as we deal with a world that's becoming ever more complex, right? And it, like with complex systems, one of the challenges is feedback loops, right? And the feedback is always delayed. And I feel like when we're talking about economic development, workforce development and education, one of the challenges is uh, many folks are working on a mental model that was established by their parents and grandparents, which was... You know, go to school, get a job, work hard, and everything will fall into place. Right? And it's not that easy anymore. And and so I, I do like, like how how do you help build more resilient, kind of problem solving, adaptive folks? Uh, so I really appreciate your your approach on that. 
absolutely. Want to shift a little bit to the, um, for for folks that might be listening. Some of the background is uh, I was I was lucky enough to uh, sit in the audience for a presentation that you were giving on her experience, and I just found it incredibly important. Uh, and again, my I don't want to. My belief is that everybody needs it. I'm not saying I'm not trying to say it's just for women, right? I, I love what you're doing, and it's just one of the things that was strike me is. How, how much healthier people might be uh, with like increased awareness and increased social emotional intelligence were some of the themes that were coming out. But I really loved the way you presented things. And I, I do believe it's, it's critically important. Uh, can you tell me like kind of how, how you came to even for lack of better terms, almost even prototype the gatherings or, or bringing a community together to pull off your first event? Yeah, well, so I, during my law days, I represented a lot of women in divorces. Uh, and I then had kind of my own family experience with, you know, a sister and, and some others in my life. Uh, and that experience alone is, is um, you know, I'd witnessed it from a variety of vantage points. And so that was a little bit of my inspiration. I felt like a lot of those women tended to kind of get through that experience on their own. There, there was this sense of just trying to get through it. And um, so I started to think, and then I, I, I obviously worked a lot with women entrepreneurs who, um, or desires to start new businesses and having the confidence and the belief they could do it. And so, um, you know, just kind of based on my experience, I started to see some common themes with women. Um, I have done a lot of career transitioning in my life. And that too is something you kind of navigate on your own and you have to, you don't want to answer questions about why you're changing jobs necessarily. And so you just kind of quietly go about your business. But um, I thought about some of the women in my life that had supported me during times of uh, difficulty and thought, what would it be like if all those women were in the room at the same time? And, um, and so I reached out to those women in my life and asked if they wanted to be part of it. One was a psychologist uh, who is also a yogi and does mindfulness. One is a writing instructor who teaches people how to heal through writing. One is an actual healer with her hands, with Reiki, and has her own amazing story. And then the fourth was really someone who helps people own their, their power and who they are and their branding in the world. And so brought them together, asked if they want to be part of it. I didn't know exactly. This is the beauty of what I think creativity can be is I didn't know exactly where this was going to go, but I just started. And it was an idea in my head for a long time, but uh, these women helped me bring it to life. And it was the combination of all of us that, that really made it um, an amazing reality. And so we've had four of these retreats. We keep them at about 20 women at a time. So about 80 women have been through and it's, it's kind of a day of awakening um, and a time to really go inward while at the same time connecting to other women. And that's really what I love about it is that you leave there feeling part of a group and a movement, but you also leave knowing yourself much in a much better way. Um, and then we maintain kind of, you know, that connection afterwards with, with a Facebook group and, and a community. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it unfolded. And, um, 
we get something out of it as individuals teaching it every single time. Um, so it's, it's as much for us and we're right there. We don't have all the answers yeah. by any means. We're right there with them. So it's, it, it sounds like it's probably a pretty powerful experience for everybody there. Yeah. That's been our, the response we've gotten is that people didn't realize how much they needed it. Um, people put away their phones and it's, you know, it's really a day. <laughs> yeah. Reconnect yourself. And we don't, we just don't make time for that uh, in a real way as much as we should. One of the things that you had said to that for me, I finding really interesting and again, the, with the, some of the themes that we explore on, on the podcast, I mean, we were talking about creativity, but also collaboration. And I love that you had this idea, you went to, uh, other people that you, you, you know, and trust, but they have different skill sets. And I, I love that then, you know, kind of cl- through that collaboration, you know, the, the spirit of an initial idea, and then it goes in, in more creative directions or even grows uh, bigger than what you thought it might be. Yes. Yeah. Collaboration for me has been huge in my life and in my work. Um, it's not always easy, but I do believe that, um, when you can find the right recipe, <laughs> the right group, um, whatever you do will be better because you will, someone inevitably thinks of something you're like, oh, that never occurred to me. And so being open to that um, can only, I think, make your idea better. And that's certainly what happened in this situation. Switching gears a little bit too, but because you you have so many hats that you wear, uh, I know another hat is that you're a certified strategic doing practitioner, and so one of and I'm a, a big fan of strategic doing. One of the things that you know, I've seen there too is on the collaboration front is almost the 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 need to solve some of these complex problems coming down to like loose networks of people, right? That because each person doesn't have enough knowledge anymore about all the different things that might be contributing. And do you mind talking a little bit about uh, strategic doing and its principles and maybe how you're seeing that at play with uh, going back to some of your economic development work? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's really a tool uh, that's designed for complex collaborations. And so it's perfect for economic development uh, practitioners who, again, like you said, we need assets from throughout the community to make things happen. Um, we spend a lot of time traditionally doing strategic plans and looking 10 years down the road. And the reality is that life is moving too fast now. Technology is changing. Uh, jobs are changing. Industries are evolving. There's just such a fast pace to things now that you have to be more flexible with your, your planning piece. And so Strategic doing is kind of the antithesis of that a little bit. It's short bursts of activity. It is considering what could we do, what should we do, what will we do? And really getting people on this 30-day trajectory of of small steps that lead to big things. And so we have found it really valuable in our team as we tackle big questions like what would it look like if – our community had the most robust career connected learning. What would that look like? And then you draw people to that conversation that want to help make that a reality um, in a positive, appreciative inquiry way. And then um, people step up and, and are expected to do. 
which we all know meetings can happen and everyone walks away and you just spend an hour talking and then the next month you have the same meeting where you just talk again, but there's not really action. This framework really allows for, for action to happen. And so we use it in a variety of ways in economic development and it's kind of become our, our language um, around how we sell, help the community solve problems. Yeah, and one of the things I really like about strategic doing as well so you, you mentioned appreciative inquiry and kind of going back to problem solution is when those questions, those well-framed questions are, are out there to guide the groups, it, the solution is not in that statement. It's not in that question, right? It, it allows people to, to explore how they might make something happen, but it, it, it doesn't have a specific solution in it, which I, I think really engages people know your thoughts on 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 that and then also uh creating a safe space for people to talk about ideas yeah and i you know i i want to give credit to ed morrison uh this came out of purdue university and he's kind of the father of strategic doing um and used it to help reinvent a lot of communities who were at an impasse or had had a major tragedy um, flint michigan Oklahoma City. um when, when something, when you're at it, and, and we're all at this critical time right now of uncertainty and, you know, what is, what is it going to look like moving forward? How can you help design the future that you want? And how do you engage the right people at the table? Um, I think something happens. We kind of lose that inquisitive nature that we have as kids. And we also, we're better when we're younger at trying things and failing and then trying something different. And that being okay, we kind of become more afraid to make mistakes the older we get. And so right. creativity doesn't, doesn't, we're just not afforded that opportunity. We don't think we have that opportunity. We just need to go with what we know. And the beauty of this process is that by bringing people together around something aspirational, you are giving permission and you're holding space for people to do that again and think about what's possible and dream a little bit and get excited. And it's, so there's an emotional psychology to this that fascinating because um, there's so much pride then when things suddenly start moving and small dominoes can become big boulders when this is done right, because people build trust, they feel a sense of ownership in the process and they're all taking part um, by taking these 30 day actions. And you can move so much quicker together, which we forget over time, um, I think, in organizations. And that top-down approach um, really stifles creativity, I think. So this is really this open network idea uh, really helps complex collaborations happen in a really powerful way. And uh, we feel like it's really a key component moving forward to designing the future that movies want. Yeah, coincidentally, I uh, uh, had the uh, opportunity to speak to Ed Morrison yesterday. And uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting, it was a helpful frame for me because I was digging in on the the notion of that safe space and the conversation. And uh, just his philosophy on that is you have an organization and then a subset of that organization is a team. And then the smallest unit that you can focus on within the team is the conversation. And for me, that was a super helpful frame to like that. That's why that, that conversation and frame is so important to engage and, and, and open up opportunities. Yeah. 
it, it really is. And it's, it's really fascinating to watch. I've been in several of these where we've utilized it and, and over time, you know, watched people open up and, and get excited again about things that they hadn't really thought were, were possible. So um, it's very powerful. I want to ask you about uh, some of your mentors or influences uh, and, and maybe like what you would say, some of the best advice you've received from, from either a direct mentor or something you came across that, that helps you guide your life. Um, about a year, well, I guess it's been a little, about a year and a half ago, I came across this course called The Science of Wellbeing. Um, it was an online course out of Yale. It was, you could get a certificate, but it was on, you know, Coursera, so it's very widely available. I'm pretty sure Oprah recommended it at some point, but <laughs> uh, I just was kind of drawn to it. And I, I took the class and the three things that I came out of that class for me are now kind of guiding principles um, in how I try to live my life or what I try to build into my my day. And that is gratitude, having uh, gratitude big and small for things, not just having gratitude for the things that have already happened. But if you're trying to put something out into the universe, being grateful for what's about to happen, and then that's really putting it out there and much more likely to come to fruition if you if you think that way on a daily basis. Um, it also says that the second component of well-being is mindfulness. So I dabble in meditation and, and try to do that as regularly as I can. But in essence, it's really just finding time to be still. Some of the best ideas I come up with, I think, are because I've let my mind be quiet. Mm -hmm. I don't try to force them. It, they just appear that way. And so um, that has been really powerful for me to, to build in time to slow down. And I think in our world and the way we get information and the media and, and just the pace of things, it's going to become increasingly important. Um, and I want to model that for my kids too. Um, and then the third one is connection, uh, which brings you well-being. And for me, uh, connecting to others has been more challenging in the last couple of months. Um, making it feel authentic when you can't be with someone is, is challenging. I think it also shows though how important it is Right. Um, when it's been taken away from us. And so we've been forced to find new ways to do it, but uh, certainly has highlighted for me um, how much my well-being depends on, on connecting with people. Um, so, so those are kind of my, you know, from that I've, I was able to kind of give myself a framework for living. Mm -hmm. I'm happy, you know, I love to share with people. Um, I think the other thing that I, it's taken me a long time to really recognizing the value of is just owning your own voice, and especially hard for women, um, you know, coming into this leadership role at this pivotal time, uh, you know, there's, there's already, it's a daunting task. And then you add this pandemic on top of it and the expectations people have for you to do, you know, work wonders at a time when it's, it's so uncertain. Um, 
you know, it's, it's important for me, I think, to, to be able to speak to that and to be honest about the challenges that are ahead, but still, you know, work with others to inspire people that there can be better things on the other side. And um, so uh, just advice about kind of, you know, owning my own power and my own voice in things and being confident about what I bring to the table may look and feel a little bit different, but, um, but being confident in that and why I think it's the right direction for, for the organization and our community. Thanks. Can you, do you mind just telling me a little bit more about like that process that may, it may be like, or even what the insight you had to owning your voice? Cause it, it, it's powerful, but I, I, I don't want to pretend like I, I, I truly understand it. So I'm just trying to dig in a little bit more. What, what do you think it means to really own one's voice? You know, I think oftentimes, and I, you know, sometimes it's, it comes from being a woman. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not always the case, but I think as women, we tend to try to really, you know, read the room and understand what others are expecting. And, and we kind of try to take all of that and, and speak to all of that. Um, I think we ignore our intuition a lot um, because we tend to do that. We wanna take care of others and make sure we're meeting others' needs. I think when we own our voice, it's when we really trust our intuition and trust that what we you know, feel inside is the right direction and then own that and be able to communicate that. And um, there's a lot of power in that. And uh, and so just getting back to that intuition piece and, and being, you know, I, I'm big on now conscious leadership and, and really being conscious uh, of, of oneself and what you have, you know, the power to do and also the power not to do. Um, the, you know, leadership is a lot about developing other people and being someone that people want to, I, I don't like the word follow. I like more the idea of working alongside because um, they feel inspired to do so. And so um, I think we're just kind of awakening to a new period of, of leadership. And so, you know, that intuition piece for me has, has been something I've really been trying to tap more into because I, I think we often have the answers if we're listening. Thank you. Uh, want to uh, just see as we're we're getting close to the end of our our time together. If there were were there any questions or topics that uh, we didn't cover that you might want to talk about? You know, just that I mean I'm doing this interview at a time a very interesting period in time, and I've been reflecting a lot on how we will never really be the same after this collectively. Mm -hmm. um, the word crisis actually means to sift. So in a crisis, you know, imagine sifting sand, right? Whatever's most valuable and important um, is what you're left with in a crisis. And that's why people, you know, have these, you know, go through a disaster and, and there's, you're just thankful for your family. Suddenly all your belongings don't matter, right? It's, it's really forced to prioritize. What's so, been so fascinating to me is to go through a crisis as a, as a world, right? Um, we're all going through this 
sifting right now. And personally, in our families, in our jobs, and, and across the globe. Um, so I'm really fascinated to see what comes out of this uh, kind of awakening because we, we won't ever really be the same. And so I just think it's such an interesting time to just make note of right. uh, and recognize while we're in it, we're in the eye of the hurricane, we're in there, there, you know, on the other side, um, I'm very hopeful that there will be amazing new, uh, not just opportunities, but a new way of living that yeah. will practice in a deeper way and make us better people. Um, and we will, we will feel more united, uh, as, as a world. Um, and so I guess I would just say it's just an, it's an interesting time to be alive and to be raising kids and to be, um, you know, I I've never lived in such a period of uncertainty. None of us probably ever have. And, um, to do it collectively is such a fascinating experience. Yeah, I've said to so many of my friends that I mean, honestly, I never thought I'd I'd live through an honest to goodness pandemic, right? That that I would witness one up close, right? Especially, kind of this is like a, you know limited worldview, but living in the United States where it feels like the last the last big pandemic, right, was the Spanish flu, and that was a hundred years ago, and it's just so interesting. And I'm I'm curious too about how some of these great things will will possibly change our collective perspectives. Yes. yes. So, uh, wanna, is, is there, um, if people wanted to find out more about uh, her experience, is there somewhere where they can, can uh, check out the, for more information? Herexperience.org is out there and it tells, talks a lot about the, the day long experience and what you can expect. We're, we're in an interesting space there because we can't bring women together right now. Right. Um, and so we, while we plan these every few months, we were on hold a little bit, um, but have been talking about how we're, we're going to need to find a new way to bring women together. And we, it may be an online event at some point here, but, um, but you can certainly still find more information and, and, and contact information there if you're interested in learning more. Thanks. And if anybody wants to find out more about the Iowa City Area Development Group. Yeah, iowacityareadevelopment.com. Um, and uh, we have all sorts of information on there on our initiatives and things we're working on. Uh, we're a small but nimble, powerful group and always looking for new ideas and, and certainly uh, connect if you, have, if you have things you have questions about or, or ideas about. Kate, thanks so much. It was an honor having you here. And I know uh, I, I, love, I love the work that the ICAD team is doing and just you taking time out when I know there's so many different things going on. I, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was enjoyable and I appreciate the opportunity. Excellent. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Matt.